welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. Mark Salcedo. I hear a humming. I'm like, what is that humming? That's the fan. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, the only one you'll allow me to put on. Well, I mean, the mic's going to pick it up because these mics are so damn super. <laughs> uh, managing editor and writer at Screen Geek. <laughs> <laughs> Look. What? I feel like whenever you do that with the Screen Geek. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's just a metaphor for when a man lies, he murders some part of the world. <laughs> I feel like that part of the world that's being murdered is the brain cell where that comes from. <laughs> Every time I say screen geek die, <laughs> a soul is lost. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal, two E's and real. And you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us on iTunes, then we will get noticed. And our segments for this week's show are the news, our recent review of The Green Knight, our variety time, Berserk Tribute Part 6, and our geriatric cinematic of Excalibur, which came out in 1981. Yeah, not the, <laughs> not the L. Ron Hubbard Excalibur book that will make you kill yourself if you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need to listen to Behind the Bastards. That's a wild-ass story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and our topic this week is... Uh, epic nights and acid trips. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially with... Uh, <laughs> fuck with Excalibur. Holy shit. <laughs> like, as, I, as I read that, I heard like the music, the... Exactly. Gotta say that for later. Uh in the news. Uh okay, so the big story that uh essentially everybody's talking about. Um is Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney for breach of contract over uh Black Widow release. So uh, this lawsuit was filed uh, last Thursday uh, with the L.A. Superior Court. And attorneys for Johansson alleged that the star's contract was breached when the studio opted to not debut the film exclusively in theaters, a move they claim uh, depressed ticket sales for the Avengers spinoff. So it goes in a bit more detail about what was going on. It says, um, Disney initially induced Marvel's breach of the agreement without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from realizing the full uh, benefit of her bargain with Marvel, the suit reads. Um, so Black Widow made about uh, $80 million at the box office. It, it debuted. $80 million, right? Yeah, $80 million. Okay. Uh, overseas, it got about $78 million. Uh, it pulled about $60 million from Disney+. Plus. Okay. Um now globally it made 319 million dollars uh but see the because I, I remember hearing about this the tickets like they ticket sales dropped like drastically the next week mm-hmm. um i think it was like the biggest decline of a marvel film like ever um so so what happened was that pretty much johansson is saying hey uh 
I'm supposed to be getting more money for this. Mm-hmm. And Disney, y'all fucked it up by streaming it on your on your Disney Plus. Uh, I think it's called Disney Premium Access Service. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> and it, it, it gets, it keeps, it, it, the fucking shit keeps coming. So, a Disney spokesperson did make a comment about this. The comment goes as such, there is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in this in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully comply, complied with Ms. Johansson's contract, and furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn an additional compensation, compensation on top of a $20 million she has received to date. So... That comment alone is putting Disney in the shit, in the shitter, mm-hmm. because they basically said, like, how dare she demand that it only be in theaters, especially during this global pandemic. They're also saying, how dare she, probably a woman, mm-hmm. um, want to make more than $20 million. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. how greedy can she be, basically? Yeah. Um, she, yeah, she was, like, paid $20 million up front. Yeah, and she's supposed to get, like, a significant, no- a significant amount of the compensation, depending on the box office numbers. And they really think that, like, and I even think that um, the fact that it was, uh, it was streaming, that it, it, it took a, dec- it took a hit. I personally think that as well. Um, but like I said, I... I, I, like I'm not conflicted by this, like at all. I I honestly do believe that she's owed what she's owed, especially the fact that like this Black Widow movie came out like, it, like in Phase Four, mm-hmm. which is weird because Black Widow has been a uh, a character established in the MCU since like Phase One, mm-hmm. and it's pretty fucked up that it took him this long for this Black Widow movie to come out. And she had to executive produce it herself. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, she had to get the project rolling. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, the agency CAA also slammed, slams Disney for releasing Johansson's, like, salary. Like, pretty much put all her information. Um, uh, the, C- the creative artist agency had said, I want to address that the Walt Disney Company statement that was issued in response to the lawsuit filed against them yesterday by our client Scarlett Johansson. Um, they have shamelessly and falsely accused Ms. Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic in an attempt to make her appear to be someone they, and I know she isn't. Uh, Lord said, uh, it's Brian Lord, co-chairman of CAA, has said this. So, Apparently, you know, like I said, I'm not the only one who thinks this. That like Disney was like, "Yo, why you put on her blast like that? That's fucked up." Not just that, but he went on to say the company included her salary in their press statement in an attempt to weaponize her success as an artist and businesswoman, as if that were something she should be ashamed of. Scarlett is extremely proud of the work that she and all of the actors, writers, directors, producers, and the Marvel creative team have been a part of for well over a decade. Mm-hmm. Like, so like just to kind of break it down, right? Mm. She's done nine movies, made Marvel and now Disney billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, she executive produced this movie that should have come out in the first phase that came out in the fourth phase, almost like an afterthought. Yeah. And she made a contract with these people and then these people being Disney, they decided they're going to follow suit with all the other studios that are 
in hot water too for mm-hmm. some of the same bullshit. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're just gonna do this without really talking with our creative team first. Yeah, and I and I, I like I was shocked to hear that Black Widow was gonna be streaming on um, their premier access service um, because they have repeatedly said, even Kevin Feige had said, um, no Marvel movie, like pretty much like no Marvel movie is going to be streaming. Like we want, we want to give Marvel the uh, theatrical release, a Marvel film, a the, uh, theatrical release because that's where like a Marvel film begins. Like every Marvel movie, it's like a spectacle, you know, mm-hmm. you got to see in the theater and everything. And I like, we reviewed, um, well, Kelsey wasn't here for that week's show, but I had reviewed the episode with a special um, co-host, and we were very like man on it. And I think, I think that scene in theater had like something to do with that. I watched it in theater. So, okay, yeah. So I, I've never asked you what was you, what, like if you can give us like a quick take on on the film uh, since you saw it in theaters. I mean, judging by the, like, aside from the fact that the theater didn't really have good like sound. Mm-hmm. Um. I really enjoyed the film, mm, and okay. I and I do kind of think that you have to have some kind of experience when you're watching it, right? Because yeah. it is a spectacle. So you're either yeah. going to theater or you're hanging out with someone and enjoying the film. You're not just watching it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So exactly. if you're not like one of those people who can like what me and you do is we'll we'll drink or we'll like choose something because it's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like you got to have that kind of experience to watch this film, and and so I think it was great mm-hmm. having watched it in, in theaters. Like I was all for this movie. Yeah, there was only just a couple of things that I didn't like, but it wasn't like film ending like mm. awful bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah, like even when I when I saw it uh, in the confines of my home, um, I had watched it with my daughter, and. <laughs> She kept, like, asking me to pause it because she had to go to the bathroom or something like that. that that's what I'm saying. And that kind of, like, ruined... That somewhat ruined the experience for me. So I so I ended up, like, re-watching it. I was like, okay, let me just re-watch it on my own, see if it was just a bad experience with that. And mm-hmm. I re-watched it, like, the next day. And I was like, you know, the movie was just all right. Like, I... I but maybe you watching it the way you did the first time, mm-hmm. kind of... You already kind of knew what to expect, so... It took the magic out of it, no matter what. No, I don't. I don't think that's necessarily possible. Uh, not necessar- necessarily true, because there's been a ton of movies I've seen in the past, like on TV, and then I see them in theaters, or vice versa, or see them in theaters, see them on TV, and then see them in theaters again. It's still like an experience, because I love going to the movie theater, so I still get this theater going experience. Whatever movie I go, mm. even if the movie's bad. I'm like, all right, I still got the experience, but like that movie's just plain shit or something like that, you know. I at least thought it was better than Thor. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was no good. It wasn't no like, I wasn't meh on it. It was yeah. better than meh, but it wasn't Endgame. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anything can ever be Endgame shit. Yeah. Um, so there have been a few people who are jumping in with uh, their comments and stuff like that. One is uh, fucking Kevin Feige himself, like, jumped in. Um, so it's been reported that Feige was actually furious at Disney over the Black Widow release. Um, this comes from... A newsletter called I what I'm hearing is from a former Hollywood reporter editor uh, Matthew Bellony I think that you say Baloney Baloney sorry thank you um, 
So this is what he's heard. Okay, he says Faye is a company man and not prone to corporate showdowns or shouting matches. But I'm told he's angry and embarrassed. Uh, he lobbied Disney against the day and date plan for Black Widow, preferring the big screen exclusively and not wanting to upset his talent. Then, um, when the shit hit the fan, the movie wanted uh, the movie started tanking and Johansson's team threatened litigation. He wanted Disney to make this right with her. Um, Disney hasn't commented on on what uh, what Feige said. I wonder if Feige is mad enough to walk. Like I would, that's a huge weapon. I don't think he's mad enough to walk, but he is. Feige has enough power with like because he Feige is the one who helped create. I mean, there were like other people as well, directors, producers, actors, and stuff like that. But Feige was like the guy. It started with Feige. Feige was like, "I have a vision. This is what we should do. This is how we should go. This, that, yakety smack." Right, and mm-hmm. he has yet to fail on any of that. He's made billions, like for Disney, since Marvel's under the Disney umbrella. Um, so I don't think he would walk. I mean, just if he no. Did. But here's the thing: I feel like he only has that power. Because that possibility could exist at some point, somewhere oh, yeah, along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know how they tell you, like, never make an empty threat or an idle threat against your kid. Oh because yeah, Because yeah, yeah. if you don't follow through, they're not going to take you seriously. Yeah. Like, I'm just wondering if he ever. If he ever like might have. If, if he, he would th- ever throw that out there. Throw it out there and then stick to it. I don't. Especially, like, maybe, like, this one time with Scarlett Johansson's not mm-hmm. enough. But I wonder if he's going to fight harder for the next. I, if anything, I think he's going to. F- I mean, like, so we don't have any full inside knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but I think that I think he has enough power, enough clout to make sure to cause up a stink. Mm-hmm. You know, to maybe even to go to um, uh, to go to. Uh, uh, CEO Bob uh, Chipek, who's like the CEO of Disney now, mm-hmm. enough enough power to go to him and go like, you need to fix this, like you need to fucking fix this now. Yeah. Um. So, uh, speaking uh, going on with that, um, former Dis- Disney CEO Bob Iger is report he was reportedly mortified by like what Joe Hansen is doing. Um. So this is from the rap. Okay. Um. So, uh, according to a Disney insider, Iger believe uh, Chepek, Bob Chepek, and the company uh, bungled it. Like, they fucked up that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney's chief communication officer, uh, Zinya Mucha, said in the email, none of this is true, period. And she didn't, ele- uh, he or she, I don't know who they are, uh, they didn't elaborate. Um, uh, so, I don't, and like, that's the thing, like, Bob Iger's Bob Iger was he like was uh, like Bob Chapek he was I think he was like he I think he was like head of like Disney Park uh, the park yeah I think he was head of the park and now he's CEO of, of Disney Iger was like teaching him to like mold everything around or kind of fix or like kind of how to communicate and get this whole thing rolling how to essentially like control, run the business run the business right but um, he's been like kind of like fucking up along the way mm-hmm. uh, especially like was what the I mean, the, the pandemic fucked up a lot of people but he's been kind of handling it poorly and i wouldn't be surprised if like i said this i wouldn't say he has a hand in it but this doesn't seem like a, a bob Iger move 
No. Like, I don't think like Bob Iger would do. I mean, Bob Iger's done shit, but Bob Iger's, Bob Iger's to the point where he's like, I'm not going to fuck with the money. Speaking of Disney Bobs, mm-hmm. I know this isn't on the docket. Uh. I just wanted to mention real quick that I saw a Variety article about former Disney CEOs mm-hmm. who, um, I guess, are they, they did some kind of deal with like the Blackstone Group where they bought Hello Sunshine from Reese Witherspoon. Okay. For like $900 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And so Hello Sunshine is like a film company initiative that Reese Witherspoon put together to Mm -hmm. make women more inclusive in the film industry. Mm -hmm. And so they bought it. Um, And the thing is like, it's like one of their media companies and they haven't named which one it is yet. Oh, okay. That, that... Like they have a name who bought Hello Sunshine? Like the name of the media company that the Blackstone Group owns oh, okay, okay. that bought it. Um, yeah, let me see. Because they're they're like a private, privately traded company or some shit. Um, I'm trying to see what Hello Sun Hello Sunshine has done. Um, so I thought that was really interesting too, because I'm like, oh, it's another Bob. <laughs> one of them is a Bob, and the other one's not a Bob, but they're both Disney people. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I, I former do. Disney people. No, I, I get you. Um, I bet you the next one it would be funny as shit. The next person to take over after this guy continues to bomb is another Bob. <laughs> another Bob <laughs> along the way. <clears throat> so I've um, I've been kind of like following this story pretty closely. I saw I read this really interesting article. Um, from Slash Film, and the uh, let me see if I can find it. The author had mentioned about what, like, what's the ramifications of this, mm-hmm. and what could happen. Um, I think this could be. I don't know. Like, if I think, I think, I think, if they don't, if Disney doesn't fix this issue, um, this this could be like. Because like the whole streaming thing is already becoming like a it's already it already has become a huge problem, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of like talent not getting paid their dudes or like having to like renegotiate their contract or it's not the idea of streaming was never included in their contract so they're like wait what the fuck how am I like this like this could be a big issue like how back in the days you used to have to like negotiate a strict contract with like MGM or yeah like yeah. Universal or something like that. Yeah, so I found the article. It's called How Scarlett Johansson's Disney Lawsuit Could Change the Film Industry. This is written by Danielle uh, Ryan of the Slash Film cast. Oh, I'm sorry, of the Slash Film. Um, so, so what she goes into about the the article, within the article, like, about how, like I said, uh, let me see if I can find it. There's one key part that, that really stuck out with me. I'm trying to find it. Um like I said, it can just do like a lot of renegotiating for like contract. Oh, and then I now remember because here it is. Okay, so the article says Chepek appears to be trying to end the days of huge profit sharing and filmmaking. Many many media giants seem to be on board, moving towards upfront one-time payments for work. Um, one recent example is Warner Brothers, which paid Wonder Woman 1984 star Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot millions upfront for a film which debuted debuted on the HBO. HBO Max the same day as theaters. While it makes sense to simply pay performers up front, the talent and their lawyers fought hard for a share of the billions that they earned from the execs above them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm a studio. You're an actress. Mm-hmm. I give you all this money for like your role in this and this. 
franchise film or something like this big huge temple movie right Mm -hmm. you get the money you go away thank you for your service okay then my studio just rakes in all that cash nothing comes in the back end to you like that's it Mm -hmm. and it's making the money because of streaming now so that like that like as 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 an actress or as a talent you were you would probably go like well why am i gonna like try to like try my best to like make this movie any fucking good you're just gonna give me a dollar amount and i'm gonna go the fuck away yeah so this so this could like be you're like, treating me like i don't matter yeah exactly exactly and yeah like and that and that's the thing it makes more money for these studios that already is making these billions of dollars anyway mm-hmm. and it's just like oh thank you for your time like go fuck off now yeah um so this could i mean I think she. I, I've heard people like, I've heard people giving her, giving Johansson flack for this, because they're like, "Oh, you got twenty million dollars, blah blah blah, blah. Like you should be fucking happy and stuff like that." You and I had talked about this. What if it was like Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans mm-hmm. or Chris Hemsworth or something like that, right? Who was right. just like, "Hey, like you guys are streaming my movie. Where the fuck is my money?" Yeah. I'm sure everybody would be like, "Oh yeah, of course. Hey, of course they're fucking Captain America. Oh, they're fucking Iron Man. Well, she's fucking Black Widow." Yeah. Like, to the form, you can recast her, like, yeah, as, as they're kind of, like, pushing Florence Pugh to take over that role. Mm-hmm. But still, she was, like, it. Like, Scarlett Johansson ain't no, like, small actress now. She's, like... Bringing, she's big. She's big. She's bringing these buku bucks to, like... And bringing in, putting butts in the seat. Some people... Some I people, mean, if she's good enough for you to look at her fucking ass, <laughs> she's uh, good enough to fucking pay her for her role in the film. Yeah. Like, come on. If you're going to sexualize her, pay the fucking woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it is it, she's, she's, she, she's the case of, like, she knows her worth. Mm-hmm. Like... And she's not just an actress. She executive produced this fucking film. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's just like anybody else in the industry who's like, yeah, I'm an actress, but I also write and I direct and I do this and I do that. Like, mm-hmm. fucking pay her. Yeah. And it's also it's also reported that, like, Amanda... Uh, Amanda. Emma Stone supposedly is considering, like, suing Disney as well because of how they released Cruella. Because they did the same thing. They did the exact same thing with her. Now, that's just more just like a rumor. It just comes from the same guy, the uh, Matt uh, Baloney. Baloney, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it comes from the same newsletter that she's considering, like, pursuing this. and but There's been no, no development with that, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, she comes out and she's like... Uh, Y'all, y'all need to pay me because this was not in the contract. And this happened also with that movie Luca. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to get a theatrical release, oh. and it got re- and it got released on streaming. And the creators were fucking mad about that. Yeah, because it was like so. This isn't like a one time thing. It's like oh, they picked the wrong person to fuck up with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like th- like those creators uh, behind Luca, they didn't really have that much power. But Scarlett Johansson, that's a name. Mm-hmm. You see that name, you're like, oh, okay, cool, that's her next movie. Like you just and Emma Stone, so I remember she was pissed when that happened. Exactly, but exactly. she didn't take it as far as Scarlett Johansson's taking it, and I bet you she something does come out of it. She's like, oh, okay. I bet, I bet she didn't take it as hard as she could have because they dangled like that sequel carrot. Yeah, like, here you go, you got another sequel. Mm-hmm. Of course, I got greenlit and everything, but I, I honestly think that Cruella movie, uh, sorry, Cruella movie. Could have actually probably made a lot more money at the box office if it was Yeah, because I was into I was into it. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to see that. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying we're not saying that like But we did watch it like on a screen. Yeah, we saw it at the drive in, yeah. Yeah. And we're not saying that like, oh, like these movies you should definitely go see out in theaters and stuff like that. Like, you know, don't worry about your health and stuff. I mean people are fucking doing it anyway. 
Um, but at the same time, like... You just need to give it a chance to, like, make whatever it's going to make based on people's decisions who want to fucking watch it. Okay, so check this out. F9 mm-hmm. came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Made buku fucking bucks. It's, it barely got to digital streaming, like, this past Friday. Why couldn't they do that for Black Widow? Right. So... Well, it's not Universal. Apparently, you know, we're in the days now where Universal is smarter than Disney. Oof, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Um, I think I think that's why I think we should cut off the news from there because I we had a bit we had another story about Ben Stiller and Franklin Leonard, but I think we should uh, kind of hold off on that one. I think I think that we went one, long. I think I think that was more of a discussion. I think we should really like discuss that one in particular. Yeah, we can talk about it next week. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what do we got next? Next, we have our recent review of The Green Knight. Friends. Brothers and sisters. Who can regale me and my queen with some myth? Forteo. synopsis is a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, directed and written by David Lowry, based on the story Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, written by Anonymous. It stars Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Sarita Chaudhry, Sean Harris, Kate Dickey, and Ralph Ineson. <sighs> the Green Knight. Been waiting for this movie since last year. Uh-huh. Um... David Lorry, his his background, his 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 track record is pretty interesting. He did that movie, uh, what's it called, like Pete the Dragon or something like that. Mm, I didn't watch that. Pete's Dragon. Sorry, he did Pete's Dragon. He did like a couple indie films, like Ain't Them Body Saints or A Ghost Story, Old Man of the Gun. You know, he's 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 done some interesting stuff. So with the Green Knight. Um, Man, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. I thought this, I like it. it this is a case again. A twenty four, just knocking it out of the park again, just like with their choices. Um, I fucking love this movie. I thought this movie was fucking fantastic. I was, I think, a little met on it to be at the beginning, mm-hmm. like not at the beginning, but like when it ended, because 
because it needed i needed to give it some time to sink in yeah yeah but the more we talked about it the more it could sink in and then i was like okay this is a great fucking movie yeah yeah um it's definitely i don't think not meant for people who don't already love film Mm -hmm. that don't just go to watch like crazy like action movies yeah like this like this isn't this is a no way a like lord of the rings type deal you know no epic like sprawl of a landscape or anything like that no epic like dun, 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 like nothing crazy like that yeah this is an excalibur <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah this is more like and, and as this a, is like a, a fable it's, it's a, a fable. fable. It's and a fable. Yeah, you gotta you gotta learn your, whatever lesson it's trying to teach you at the end. Yeah, and I think that goes on par with with the books, Sir, uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, because that's a morale a morality tale, and this movie takes time to like translate that morality tale of like honor, loyalty, chivalry, death, and like all that kind of all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. What's uh, our friend uh, Elsie had had informed me that she went to the movies to 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 go watch it, and she said there was a couple there, and it seemed like the couple were like pissed, like walking out, like what the fuck was that or some shit <laughs> like that. So, like I said, this is not like a this is not action packed film. It's more of a a visual style and more of like a series of like metaphors. I, I will kind of say though, are you thinking about that couple that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. That based off of the trailer, mm-hmm. this I don't feel like was entirely what the trailer was selling. Mm. It felt like the trailer was very epic. Oh, yeah. And this movie was more you're following the trials and tribulations of this one character. It's not very it's not very epic and swelling with like action and stuff. It's just mostly like mm. like visual storytelling, but not like acid trippy yeah yeah for the most part yeah 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 like yeah it, uh, yeah i'm not gonna deny that yeah that trailer kind of makes it like this like epic journey of like sword sword and sorcery or and, like, sword and mysticism seal. and yeah yeah and it's more like slow pacing it's a straight up slow burn like it's a straight up slow burn um but i think what helps with the slow burn is like the visual aids with it mm-hmm. i think the visuals is like fucking phenomenal yeah um, so what did, what did you what did you like about this movie? Um, I like the fact that I like the character. Oh, uh, Dave Patel or D- Dev Patel? yeah, Dev Patel's character. I like mm-hmm. Gawain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the hero that like he doesn't look like a hero. Mm-hmm. He looks like an average guy. Mm-hmm. But he's still kind of sexy though. But oh yeah, he, that boy's a snack in this movie. I know, but like. He doesn't seem like he's not Chris Hemsworth. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and you just follow him. And I, I honestly also like the way that they did um, the hair and makeup for like some of these characters, like the mm. the king and queen. Mm. You swear they took them right off of a deck of cards. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Like the curls with their hair, like they. They almost didn't seem real. Mm. Um, I don't know what it is about them. Like, and you see a picture of them in real life, and you're like, "Oh, you look normal." But like in the movie, they look like they belong in a fucking story. Yeah. Um. 
And then I like... I do like the fact that he goes through certain things. I, I Sometimes for me, it did kind of stretch out a little bit much. Mm-hmm. But the different situations that he gets himself into... Um, you almost think it's kind of avoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's trying so hard to stick to, like, the type of person he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of like the, the stability. Within the movie? Yeah. Yeah, like, like even though things are, are wrong a lot of the time, mm-hmm. m- like, most of the time, he's not. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, he might be kind of lost at certain points Mm -hmm. because that's, like, his journey. But but he's very sure of who he is. Oh, the uh, Sir Gawain? I think so. Like, in a way, like, mm -hmm. not in a very assertive kind of way, but, like, um, I don't know, like... I'm going to ask you this question. I hope it's the answer that. Okay. Do you think I'm pretty sure about who I am now as opposed to who I thought I was like when we met? Um, yeah, I thought I think you're closer closer on the for sure side of who you, of who you who do you consider? I mean, what you consider what you are, or who you are than you were like, you know, 5 years ago or something like that. Do you think I understand myself pretty reliably even though I don't understand every situation I'm in emotionally or like even maybe at work or whatever? Do you think you could always rely on me pretty much being the same? Um hmm, I think that's more of a deeper question. Um I want to say yeah, but we we're all we're all we all have the capability to kind of like lose that reliability to understanding who we are mm-hmm. um, in those moments of like sadness or depression or kind of like in a moment of loss or something like that. That I think that that. But reliability even when I do way. get lost in those moments, mm-hmm. I always come back. Yeah, you always do come back because you know, like this, you know how to get back. You kind of know the steps to get back to where you are. But I think. I think where with you, it took a journey to do that. Where with Sir Gawain, it we were seeing that journey of him to find to find that ability to, to rely on himself. Like there's certain dialogue that happens during his journey that that like people have an an, an idea of him, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have the idea of him. Like they almost they're like, no, you're this, you know. And I don't want to. Well, I mean. Yeah, I don't want to say it's kind of it's kind of spoiler territory, but someone like calls gives him a title, and he's like, "I never said I was that." And the guy's like, "Yeah, you were. Like, you are. You know." In a very, uh, almost like in a playful way, but I think that was like the the part of self doubt, kind of like moving out of the way to like peak to peak the truth of him. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think you're right, mm-hmm. and I think I'm right. Like yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I think. He's not aware of who he is. He yeah. just is. Yeah, he, he just hasn't yeah. put two and two together oh, yeah. yet. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. what I'm saying. He's yeah. reliably who he is. Mm-hmm. He just reliably doesn't know who he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you know I, what I, I mean? Yeah, you're just saying, yeah. And, I, and, that, and that's the thing. That's so like, I like the drumbeat of that. Like, yeah, yeah. Because you know who he is. You're just waiting for him. 
Just yeah. waiting. You're waiting for him to catch up to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I th- and I th- and I think that's cool because like, like, I mean, this is this is not like some new tale. This is this tale goes back to like the early days of centuries ago and shit like that yeah right? medieval so, times yeah so we got an idea of like of a knight what a knight is what, a, what maybe a knight what's the criteria of being a knight you know so we have an idea of like Sir Godwin's gonna get to this point and it's 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 actually enjoyable to like to come along with him on this journey and mm-hmm. see how he like does it and how he finds the courageous nature of him or the honor that's within him or the loyalty within him and stuff like that um, and how it's done in these really cool, artistic, and creative way, like his test of like chivalry, right? His tell his test of like courage and stuff like that. Like this movie, like I said, this movie is like heavily seeped in like metaphors, and like you can, I mean, I honestly think you can take this movie and like surround a surround a course. Like a, a film course around this. Like, mm-hmm. what do you, like what do you think this and just have the entire semester just cover scene by scene by scene by scene of this movie? Yeah, you could you could it. cover cinematography, mm-hmm. dialogue, mm-hmm. negative space, negative sound. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it. anytime either Joel Egerton or Barry Keegan shows up in anything, I'm all in, and they're both in this fucking film. <laughs> um. So what did you what do you think of the performance with it with this movie? I thought it was great. Oh. Um, Dev Patel, I mean, there's a reason why they chose him to be Aladdin. Aladdin, not Aladdin. Who was he? Um, who did we see him before? Uh, what did he play? Let me see. <laughs> why did I think he was Aladdin? That was really no, that interesting. Was, no, that was not Aladdin. He was definitely not Aladdin. Uh, okay, hey, let me go through his list then. Oh, I forgot. There was something that he was in pretty recently. I was like, oh. All right. So Dev Patel, like, all right. So let's go through go through Dev, Dev Patel's IMDb. Uh, so he was in. I'm trying to think. Of something oh, you saw him in Slumdog Millionaire. That was. I like, didn't see him though. Was that that was his first film? And holy fuck, it was like goddamn. Like, who is this dude? Um. Let me see. Did you ever see the 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 uh, the last Airbender? Yeah. Oh, you saw that? Mm-hmm. He played Zuko. The guy, the the Firebender. Okay. Did you know that like because of that movie, he will not do big budget films anymore. Really? Yup. He he <laughs> did he did an interview and he said his agent is gets pissed off at him because he won't do big tempo films, and he just like. I had a bad experience with Last Airbender. I'm not doing that again, and rightfully <laughs> so. This dude did this, he did this really great movie called Lion. Oh, fair, oh, that's a, that's another good one. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so obviously you know I'm going to say like yeah, Dev Patel is fucking phenomenal in this movie. I, I love the fact that they got somebody who's of Middle Eastern descent mm-hmm. or Middle Eastern, and um, he's like the lead. Like in in a story that if you think about, it, it's like considered heavily pretty white. They they make this character not white, and like it didn't focus on the fact that like oh what's this guy not white or anything like that oh you're this descent blah 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 he but he still had that look of like I can totally picture that dude during medieval times like going on mm-hmm. this journey. I think that has a lot to do with like I don't know about you but I think of medieval medieval people and I think of really long noses. 
Mm, okay. He yeah. has like a long face. Yeah. Like how you would think of people of that time. Um, what I really was trying to get at when I, you know, was putting my foot in my mouth was the fact the fact that he can emote. He doesn't have oh, to talk. Oh, absolutely. And there are lots of times where he's not speaking, mm-hmm. but you can totally see him acting with his face properly, mm-hmm. not like overacting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, like so, I feel like they chose him really well like that was the right choice yeah that david laurie laurie picked him yeah david laurie was like that dude was like oh get that guy in this movie yeah and right like i said rightfully so um i uh what's the guy who played king arthur um oh sean harris mm-hmm. i love sean harris sean harris is he's one of those actors that like one straight, he's a character actor. He he morphs into that role. He, he okay. You've seen Sean Harris before. He's played the villain in the last two Mission Impossible films. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He looks like a regular fucking guy. Uh, Not in this movie though. Like there's uh, something like almost like legendary or mythical about him and the queen oh yeah absolutely and i think it has to do with costume and like makeup yeah the costume design was fucking phenomenal it's like really fucking good how they got that together yeah sean harris has been in a bunch of different like great uh of course the dude was in macbeth fuck of course he'd be in macbeth um but we yeah, still I, haven't been to fucking we wanted to see shakespeare like a Shakespearean play? We did. We were all about that one year, and we never got to go. Oh, yeah. We were trying to find something like... Like a, like a Midsummer's Night or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. That's right. I love to see Macbeth done in a play. I love Macbeth. That's one of my favorite Shakespearean plays. Because they have something at like Disney Concert Hall or something. They were doing like a series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Fuck. We're going to do that. <sighs> yeah. If fucking the... This pandemic bullshit starts. Oh, it might be fifty years from now, but we'll do. I, it. <laughs> no, we'll be as old as like the elder <laughs> character. We'll be old as the ghost in Macbeth by the time we see that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see it, and then we'll die of old age. <laughs> but, yeah, we did it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that was the, yeah. So uh, what's the homeboy's name? For, I I forgot the dude's name. Uh, Sean Harris. Sean Harris was really great. Um. Okay, tell me if you caught this. If you if you if you had the same thought, uh, Alicia uh, Vikander. Vikander. I was confused on if that was her, like later in the movie, because I was like, wait, is that the same woman? Or I don't know. I think it has to be with the makeup or like. It was the makeup. She had longer hair. Yeah. And they did her makeup. Yeah, but even if like even if a person has longer hair and makeup, you can still tell like, oh, that's just them with just longer hair. But it's like her demeanor, like. Like the way how she carried herself was like a completely different person, and I think it, I don't think it was that different. She's very frail. Mm-hmm. Like she comes across as kind of frail, and like um, the so her name is Essel when she's like poor and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of things with her that I want to get into when we do the spoiler bumper. Okay, but she definitely wasn't like. <sighs> She's still frail. It doesn't matter which way. I just, that's all I saw when I looked at her was not, she's just like really petite and not very strong and very like so feminine that like most people can't move like that. Mm. And I feel like that's just who she is, even in person. Mm, okay. 
Um, like, yeah. I don't think you could take her seriously as, like, a Black Widow or, like... I mean, she, I, yeah, I guess. You I, mean, know what she, I mean, she's done some great. She's she's done some great stuff. Like she was the android in Ex Machina. Yeah, so. but you get a sense like she'd probably use more agility as her strength than mm-hmm. actual brute strength as her strength. Oh yeah, yeah. I see like she, saying. you'd kind of be afraid to break her. Yes. Um. And I can't, I can't really say if it's worth it or not because, like, she's she is like the, she's like the latest actress to play like the Laura Croft character in the Tomb Raider. I haven't seen any of those movies, or I'm sorry, I haven't seen the the remake, the first one, the reboot that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard her performance is okay, yeah. But like, I haven't really checked it out. But like, I think I think within the confines of this film, I think her performance is really well put together because, um, like I said, like I saw her in one role, she was in another role, and it took a minute for me to realize, like, oh shit, that's the same woman. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I don't, like I said, I guess it just, I, I guess I, I was, a, I saw more of, like, her demeanor change to be, like, almost like a different person. Which I have to get, applaud her for that. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't entirely agree, but. Well, whatever. I'm right, you're <laughs> wrong. That's what matters. <laughs> um, before we go into spoilers, you want to talk anything about the, uh, the direction from uh, David Laurie? Um... I don't know why this question always stumps me whenever because I'm like direction like like how the like, fi- like how the film looked that the the what he was conveying with the story and like the visuals and everything because like it all it always starts it starts with the script and it goes to the director and you have to see the director's mind well like, I thought like I thought it was great because I always feel like we talk about it and then you ask that question and we already kind of talked about it even though we didn't specifically mention him yeah but I, like that's why I'm like all right let's just focus because you know how we tend to like we talk about direction they were like oh yeah and then we'll go we'll go into like this actor world or stuff like that no um he did a great job Mm -hmm. i felt like the pacing wasn't always perfect but Mm -hmm. it was a slow burn and he did a good job with keeping the story together Mm -hmm. um never really losing his vision throughout like you don't feel lost yeah, like you, this, like David Laurie's direction for this film, you can tell that he, like, mapped out everything to look a certain way mm-hmm. and was like, we gotta keep this look. And it continued, like, on and on and on and on. Even, like, how some of the, um, how some of the settings had changed mm-hmm. and, like, there's, like, a different tint and color. Mm-hmm. And how it like conveys a mood, but it doesn't like shift you out of somewhere where you think like, oh, he's like in a completely different place across like the country or something like that. It's just like you almost get a sense like he probably only traveled about fifteen miles, but yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> but like during the fifteen miles, you're like, whoa, holy shit! Look at the shit he sees and everything. Yeah, you know. Um, there's there's one particular scene I really want to talk about that, which is like fucking blown away. But we'll talk about in the spoilers. Me section. too. There's one that I really want to talk about, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right, so is there anything else that you want to talk about before we hit the spoilers? No, let's go. Let's Let's go. go. (laughs) I'm ready. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, cute this bad boy. Okay. Look how cute he is. Just laying there on the floor. But he's all folded up, like, laying with the side of his head instead of, like, with his chin like cats usually. Yeah, it looks like a moldy, moldy bread. But he's cute moldy bread. I don't he's my moldy bread. I don't think any mold can be cute. I don't think that's he's, possible. He's mine. Gross. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to hop into the spoiler section. You know, we're going to go in great lengths. 
um, when talking about the Green Knight. So if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. Um, so the direction, what, 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 uh, part of visual David Laurie did that I like, caught your eye? The Giants. The Giants? Oh, really? That one? I think you were going to go that mm-hmm. one. But please. Oh, yeah. Perfect. It was weird because he saw the Giants mm-hmm. and I think they were naked. Yeah, they were naked. Yeah. And they were like all, I think most of them were females. Think so, but they were. I think they were like bald. All of them were bald. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know what? I could. I would say that maybe they were non-binary. That's what I'm saying. Like it was so weird because he, and weird in a good way. He like came up over this hill or something, Mm -hmm. and he saw these people, and he's like, and he was like kind of like taken aback, like in awe. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, no, I need their attention because I need their help, Mm -hmm. and. You kind of get no inkling that any kind of world like this would exist. Like, mm-hmm. there are some things like witchcraft or like, I don't know, some sort of like mystic type things that exist. Mm-hmm. Other than the Green Knight. Like, the Green Knight is something that you think of like, okay, that could just be like like lore that people talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From- but then to see the giants. Mm-hmm. And they're all, it's so personal because they're naked and, like, they're mm. all the same but different. Yeah. You Like, I felt them. Oh, okay, okay. Like, I felt them. Like, yeah. I don't know. They were just going about their business, like, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, shit, I love this. <laughs> what did you, what did you think, what did you think that David Laurie was trying to say with that scene? I kind of felt like he was trying to say that Gawain was very small in comparison to the rest of the world. Mm, okay, okay. But even as small as he was, mm. even the giants thought that his... Um, they didn't give him a lot of time, but they gave him enough time that you maybe understood that as small as he is, his journey is still important. To mm, them, okay. you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, like they're they still kind of helped him, they at least stopped and listened to him. And like, yeah, they weren't mean or rude or trying to kill him or anything like that. It was like, you're still another person, like, yeah. I, I took I took that scene as like, 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 <sighs> kind of like a mythical kind of thing, like, um, like the, the mythical stories of like other giants that came before him. And how these giant legacies like continue on across the land, mm-hmm. and he's almost like looking for inspiration or, or guidance for, or guidance from those 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 giants, those mythical stories. And like, there's that part where one giant tries to grab him, and like that fox is like howls like stop. Mm-hmm. I think that was like, I think that was like the giant realized realizing that like oh like my my mythical tale is not going to help him it's mm-hmm. going to push him but that's it right and i think that's what i was thinking that scene meant and i was like i say like how this movie has like a series of like 
things that can be considered as like metaphors or maybe um it's like debate if anything he saw was real mm-hmm. you know it could have just been something in his head and how he's like equating like his journey well just like you were just brought up the fox the fox only talked one time and it was really weird yeah, yeah. it was almost like he was imagining it i think i think with the, the the thing with the fox was like that last little bit of self-doubt his last uh opportunity to go back because like the fox is like says like what's the shame of like going away and just hiding your shame like that you know like we'll be like in other words you'll, you'll never be alone you'll always be you'll always have that with you but it'll be like a form of shame or something like that and i think that was like a little bit of himself saying like turn around like yeah. There's no problem going around. Just go ahead and just lie. Just no matter of fact, don't lie. Just disappear. Nobody's gonna look for you. You know, like that yeah. kind of shit. That's that's how I took that uh, that scene. Yeah. Um. I think visually, I think the best. I think the best. Uh, the best shot was like when uh, he was helping that ghost find her head, mm-hmm. and when he dove into the water. Uh, there's this really amazing scene where like the like it seems like i don't know how he did, i really I, I can't wait to find like a behind the scenes of like how he did all this stuff but like how he was able to like freeze the particles within the water mm-hmm. and give it like this weird like snow like mysticism in uh-huh. it and i remember looking like holy shit i wish i was on acid <laughs> it was so <laughs> intense but it was so fucking cool because how how like sir Gawain like jumps into the water and like it, it looks like it's a lake, but like as it go, the camera goes further out, it's like he might as well be swimming in the ocean because mm-hmm. he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's gonna find. You he doesn't know. know up from down and exactly like the dangers. Like this is his test of like courage yeah. to like go in there and shit like that. Um, and then like how he's like where you have the red like beaming on the skull. That was like him having the ability to like trust his senses of like all right where is this okay it's here boom i found it and he like got himself out mm-hmm. um and he was like in some way like rewarded for that yeah by like that axe now there's that part where like the like those kids take his axe and then the axe is with him again mm-hmm. I, I i have a feeling that like at some point during his journey he like threw the axe like, he almost, like... Like, he didn't encounter the things that he thought he encountered. He was viewing them, like, like as illusions. Like that, or, like, like an excuse, you know? Um, like, an excuse of, like, oh, I was tied up, and, like, these kids took my axe, so, therefore, I, I, I can't go on my journey anyway. Because mm-hmm. I don't have... I don't have this axe to bring back. And maybe he, like, lost his way, and then something inside him kind of like told him to like find the axe again because i remember he like i think i think i remember he like fell asleep after finding the skull mm-hmm. and then he woke up and the axe was there and like that's him like him subconsciously like, going out to get the axe and being like no i have to continue on this journey because ever because when he got that axe he kept going i had this weird feeling that the green knight kept manifesting himself in different ways so that Okay, so what I read, because I, I, I I've been reading the book, I haven't gotten to that part, so it got kind of spoiled for me. So, it's it, part of the book um, is that the Green Knight does manifest itself in some way, and it manifests himself as the Lord. Like the Joe Edgerton character, mm-hmm. that's really the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like his last test of like chivalry. Right. You know, even though he like failed it. Right. Um, but, but it like, was his girlfriend. 
pretty much. Yeah, that was his girlfriend and everything. Because remember, because he like his his girlfriend like like really has something for him, but he was just kind of like not into her. Clearly, like she wanted to like have his kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a test. And, and he was into her. He just. I don't think he really understood why. Yeah, I, I, maybe he like just didn't want to admit it. Yeah, that he was he was into her. Um, so you want to you want to kind of talk about that ending? Yeah. Okay. So, what's what's your take on that ending? I really like what you had to say about okay. it. To be honest, okay. because um, once you started talking about it, it, kind of like kick started my own thoughts. Like it took me out of the fog of like what did I really watch? Mm-hmm. Um. And it's so interesting because the Green Knight is asleep. And even though you said the chivalry was probably like his last test, mm-hmm. I actually think him sitting there a day early waiting for the knight to wake up is his last test. He could have run away. He oh, still like patience had time. and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And when the Green Knight finally wakes up and mm. he has his axe for him and mm-hmm. he's like... He kept saying no, like, a few times. Like, wait, 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 wait. I know. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Okay. No, no, no. I don't get it. Like, he kept trying to find an excuse. I love that I love the part where he was, like, where uh, Sakawan was, like, are we really going to do this? And then the Green Knight's, like, isn't that what we discussed? Like, you did to me. Would you not re- return the favor? Or should I not return the favor? Mm-hmm. You know? Actually, I think that's, I think his, now I think about it, I think that last test is, like, the test of loyalty. I think that was his last test. Loyalty. Yeah, like uh, loyalty or like honor, like to okay, keep to your, honor to keep mm-hmm. to your word. Keep your word, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, but also not being a bitch and turning back. <laughs> you know what I mean? He could yeah. have. Yeah. And he did kind of like, oh, I'm I'm too scared to do this. Yeah, yeah. But he did kind of have a vision of like what mm-hmm. his life would be. Yeah. If he wasn't honest. With himself, yeah, and it was empty. Well, yeah, it was very empty. Yeah, I, I think I, I could be wrong, but I think like I think a phrase, uh, I, I'm remembering a phrase that when it, it comes in terms of a knight, it says, uh, um, or like no, not in terms of a knight of, of a man. It, it's some like what is a man without his word? Mm-hmm. I think that's like something I I think that's the term I've heard. So that's like I think that is his final test. What is a man without his word? Mm-hmm. And like. The honor thing is like that's his word that he would come back and he would return that the night the green knight would return the favor. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, when he came back from that vision and he was actually back in that cave because mm-hmm. it took us out of that part for like a little bit. Uh, you, uh, the green chapel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, um, I'm saying they took us out of that part of the story, like the end. Yeah, it took us out because it showed us what his life would be like if he wasn't honest. Mm. And then he was back all of a sudden. For a second, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he told the Green Knight to try again. And then he remembered he had the that protection spell yeah. sash on or whatever. Yeah. And he told him to wait again. And he's like, okay, I'm ready. And I think he said, okay off with your head and then i what i really like about your explanation about that was Mm. ego yeah like oh it's like your ego's gone now like you're out of your head like yeah like i really like that because it does kind of bring home what was the point of this journey Mm. because you get a sense in the beginning like 
he was even asking like why should i go on this journey mm-hmm. he's not even gonna be there like how do you know he's gonna be there where yeah. like i don't even know where i'm going mm-hmm. um but at the end he knows yeah and i th- i think with um i like i think what is the what pretty much is like the point of this movie is is how because when sir godwin is like starts his journey he's like all nighted up he's got all this armor he's got all this gear and like protection spells and like even some of his clothes are really nice like he's not rich enough to have all that stuff and yet people have given him all of these things and he didn't earn it yeah and he like and it's it's his journey that like breaks him down through like these steps it breaks it down of this life that he it's like a superficial look of what would be a knight and it wasn't. It's not until like he just meets. He, not until he gets to the end of the journey where he's like, basically almost bare until he like takes off that, that whatever that uh, that protection spell. Yeah, that that protection spell. Like, it, that's when like the knight is like, okay, now I see you at your truest. You know, yeah. without all this like false idea of what a knight is or like the superficial kind of thing. And like that part where he just like. He says like raise your Sir Gowan or whatever like that, mm-hmm. and he's like does that. He does that thing over his with his fingers. Says, All right, off with your head. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's it. Which I thought was really fucking good. I felt like he already took his head off. Is what his point was. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to do talk about we were we've kind of talked about like his um, like what each part of his journey meant, mm-hmm. and I think like the first thing he really encounters after he started his journey. Mm-hmm is everyone stealing his shit. You know, like the kid and those two people. Mm -hmm. Like, they stole his stuff. So it's like, materialistic things are not what make you worth anything. Yeah. And then he... What I didn't understand was, like, after they tied him up, Mm -hmm. they, like, spun the camera, and he was, like... Like a skeletal, like a skeletal remains, or like that. Yeah, I think that was like trying to show us what's in his head, like, like oh, I'm gonna die here. Yeah, like no, like I'm just gonna give up. Oh, because because if you looked if because if you looked at the the skeletal remains, there's it doesn't look like there's a struggle or anything. Like he just went, he just laid there, I just laid there and died. You know, and that's why the camera wrote. Like I think that was us trying to examine what's going on in his head at the time, and then that's when he like makes the move to like, no, I I gotta get out of here. I gotta escape. Yeah, you know, even like. He even he even cuts his own hand. He cuts his hand on his own sword, um, which I think was another indicator that like he's not ready to hold the sword yet. He's not ready to to wield that sucker, even though he like he foolishly did it at the begin at the beginning by cutting the Green Knight's head. Mm-hmm. He was still not ready to even wield such a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So then I think the next thing he really encounters mm-hmm. is that storm and trying to get shelter and all of that and then he ends up making his way to the cabin right no no, it it was it was the it was the cabin with the ghost girl Mm -hmm. and then he goes to the storm because that's when he that's when the fox joins him oh okay so yeah so okay so the cabin area i think Mm. is like like what do you what do you think that particular part of the journey is like i said i think that's that was courage I, i believe that was courage i think that was courageous and like self selflessness um because 
here's this here is this ghost or this girl however you want to look at it he knows nothing about her whatever but she's just like can you help me and he could have been like i'm too fucking terrified because this isn't real yeah exactly all that kind of stuff there's even that part where like she like floats to him and shit like that which uh, oh i went around screaming like a little bitch (laughs) i seem to remember you telling me about a, a ghost floating to you yeah and i fucking Bolted. Fucking, yeah, I bolted. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Fuck that. That's, a, that's how horror movies play out. What's this? And I'm dead, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that was that was more of courage, dealing with that. Okay, and then the storm. Perseverance, maybe? Perseverance, yeah, weathering the storm, going through. Um, and also kindness, because he first told the fox to leave. Oh, yeah, then, yeah. And then he's me. like, all right, like, I'll feed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then what next? Um, then he encountered then the, the, night, the giants. He, he encountered the giants, and that's maybe like, maybe inspiration, maybe the per, um, I don't want to say perseverance, but I, yeah, I would probably say maybe like inspiration or kind of like the idea of how to the idea. Of, the I, idea. I just think it's more like um, perspective. Like you're perspective, sm- you're not yeah, the biggest. Yeah. You're not a giant. You're not the biggest thing yeah, in this world. Not just yet. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not the only one here. Yeah, you can't stand next to giants just yet. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, totally, I fully agree with that. Um, and the next was uh, the manor with the lord and the lady, mm-hmm. which I that I think about, that was about chivalry. Chivalry and, um, like, glut, not gluttony. Chivalry, but, like, um, like a test of your will. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which he, we, which he failed on that one. <laughs> kind of, but kind of not. Like, he was tied up, wasn't he? He wasn't tied up at all. No, no, like, like that, the, like that woman was like teasing him hardcore, and she was like, "If you want this, like, take off, take off this thing," and he ended up like taking it off. Oh, okay. And that was like a, a test of chivalry that he failed on that. Yeah. And then after that, that was the next one with the fox. I, I think that was more like self doubt. Mm. And then after that, it had to be like honor and loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and patience. Patience, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, and at the end, he didn't, up, he didn't end up not losing his head at all. Yeah, he, he lost his, his ego head. Yeah, he lost his ego. Yeah, <laughs> he was no longer Eagle of the Living Planet from Guardians of the Galaxy Two because ah. it's, it's, it's a planet mm-hmm. called Ego, the Living Planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. <laughs> I think. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> um, all right. Is there, is there anything else? I think, we're, I think, I think we've covered a lot. With this I one. think so, too. Um, and I actually, I just want to say, mm-hmm. that's what makes me like this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, after we talked about it and I realized that every step along the way, there was something to be learned. Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, okay. Now, I wasn't just a spectator. Like, I was in the movie. You were in the journey. You yeah. Were, you were in the journey. Yes. Yes. All right, so what we got next? Next, we're going to do our variety time. All right, so we are doing our Berserk tribute, and it's part six, and we are going to talk about episodes 21, 22, and 23. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, episode 21, which is called Confession. Um, so, uh, in the previous episode, Guts had 
already kind of been on his own for a little while. He had left the Band of the Hawk. Uh, there was that badass fucking confrontation, confrontation with Guts and and uh, Griffith. And Guts gets back into the life of the the Band of the Hawks, and pretty much just finds out like what the fuck happened. <laughs> Yeah, he finds out what happened, and he mm. kind of sees, like, the state of the Hawks. Yeah. Even though he left them, it's not because he didn't love them or want to be around them anymore. Mm. It was just he wanted to be his own man, and he didn't feel the worth that he that he wanted to feel. Yeah, yeah. So he found out what happened with Griffith, um, and Casca's blaming Guts for mm. the way Griffith ended up. Um that whole thing about like, I, like I said, I haven't watched this anime in a while, but that whole thing is like it's it's reminding me how much of a like of a little baby Griffith is, like, and also Casca sometimes. Yeah, I, she has like a lot of misdirect misdirected anger. Mm-hmm. Um, like how like there's that part where like she just starts attacking guts with that sword just like going at it, but she's doing it like very foolishly with no skill or anything like that, and she's like just saying about like it's your fault it's all your fault you know and anyways i feel like griffith was kind of upset that guts left Mm -hmm. but i didn't get a sense that he acted the way he did because guts left i felt like he did it for a different reason self-sabotage yeah but i don't think it was guts's fault like i no, i don't think it was guts's fault at all i think like he lost something I think, and that's what I think, like, with Griffith, it's, like, it's about control with him. And the fact that, like, he's had this, if you think about it, he's had this control of everything around him. The the control of, like, his situation, the people around him, even, like, the things he has to do to, like, advance, like, his night, his journey for knighthood and everything. Mm -hmm. It's all calculated by him. Mm -hmm. And the one person who goes, like, I'm not going to follow your plan because I'm a forth my old journey like i think it's just like what huh like fucks them up yeah but that's i mean that's also the thing like you can't sit there and say that anyone who's willing to follow your dream isn't really worth like worth anything yeah because people's dreams merge sometimes yeah and that's the thing griffith didn't see that griffith griffith saw it as like weakness where you know somebody who's not a fucking sociopath when C is a weakness, they would see it as like, oh, like a unity kind of thing, a bonding kind of moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like how he said in, I think, in two episodes back where he was just like, he can't respect anybody who, like, shares his dream. Exactly. Which is like, yo, dude, that's fucked up. I know. Like, there can only be one actor in the world. And one <laughs> like, singer. <they're, laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so inf- Infiltration, uh, episode 22. Oh wait, we didn't talk about um, in the first episode in episode twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, Costa actually oh, yeah. gets him with the sword in the arm, mm-hmm. and she's like, "You didn't move. You're supposed to move." And she felt bad because then I think she realizes that her anger is misdirected, and then they make love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 that's and they a, decide to go away together. That's very important. Yeah, that's a very heartwarming moment where they end up to get. They finally end up together, and. You can see this as like, oh, this is something that's going to be like beautiful and very pure and very like, you know, like these two people who have who have only known like anger and battle and death and stuff like that were able to like find themselves in the sea of blood. Yeah. Um, 
So then um, in Infiltration, Koska and Guts decide that they're going to go into um, the Tower of Rebirth to mm. rescue Griffith. So they make like this plan mm. and they split. They leave like their camp behind and they split like offensive and defensive like the rest of the team that's going to go. Mm-hmm. And while they're doing this... Um, the hawker, I guess they're slaughtered at their their camp by monsters. Yeah, so this is when it really starts detouring from the manga. Um, because, and you know what? It's not a bad thing. I think it's, I, I, I think it's great how they do this because in the fir- because I think like the first, what maybe like three episodes we see where guts is like after the events of of with the band of the hawk and griffin and everything how there's like demons around and stuff like that he fights like that one um i forgot what they're called uh he fights that one demon kills him and then we go back to like oh this is like just this is like 10 15 years ago right yeah and it's like normal like just sword sword and sword and shield kind of thing mm-hmm. and then it's like he gets comfortable and he forgets yeah and then like an ep- and then in episode 22 it's just like Oh yeah, there's demons here. Check this out. And I and I, I when I when I rewatched this, I was like, "Holy shit! I forgot they just go right into the demon shit like almost immediately. Like there's no warm up to it and everything like that. Yeah. Like one of the members sees like a, a green fairy. And he's like, "What the? Huh? What the fuck? I know it's weird because it was like sexy and naked. Yeah, like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. And then like yeah, the the rest of the home, they get fucking mutilated. Mm-hmm. But. The reason why they did that is because they're like sh- they're like leading up to like oh this like solar eclipse that's gonna happen this like this uh, reality shifting event it's about to happen and it's gonna be nasty as hell it's gonna be brutal as fuck right um, kind of and I think that kind of mirrors because we see that then we see Griff Casca uh, and Guts going into the Tower of Rebirth mm-hmm. and we see like the disfigured body it's almost like they go like hand in hand with each other right how griffith who was seen as like almost angelic mm-hmm. is now like just withered like piece of jerky <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a very good way to put it <laughs> did he not look like that <laughs> he did but with really weird eyes yeah 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 um so I, there's one one particular shot i want i want to talk to you about and see if you kind of got the same feeling as i did when i watched it um so like when see, are you gonna say that guts and the um rest what is the guy's name nosferatu or whatever oh guts and guts and nosferatu are the same individual and nosferatu is from the future yeah yeah that's so still that's true. what you're gonna say that's still true that's still true <laughs> <laughs> my theory is valid shut up <laughs> no 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 the part where griff where guts is holding griffith and griffith it's like puts his hand around his neck right and guts takes it as a sign of like he's trying to hug him but I took it as 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 Griffith trying to choke him. No, I took it that way too. Yeah, like you're the reason, and that's the thing. That's why I think it's a, it's the it's the selfishness of Griffith. Like you're the reason why I'm here. No, dude, you fucked the princess. That's your fucking fault. Yeah, you don't even fucking love her. I know you just used her. You just wanted to like hurt yourself. You want to cripple yourself by doing that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's the thing that's so fucked up because everybody is like traumatized. Like everybody who's who infiltrated the Tower of Rebirth, they're all fucked up of how they see Griffith. Mm-hmm. And Griffith, all Griffiths is like kill guts. I, I don't want guts anymore. I want him to die. 
Yeah, he's not even like, oh my god, my team is here for me. I love them. Nothing like that. Yeah, it's no, just like yeah. Granted, granted, he can't talk, but there's like no like tears of joy or anything like that. Yeah. All right. Or tears of regret. Nothing. Yeah, it's exactly. just remorse. Anger. No remorse or anything like but that. But it's this weird kind of anger. Like you know how like. They always talk about how bright people's eyes are mm-hmm. when they're having like a psychotic break and they're about to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like that. So wait, so you, I, I didn't notice this, but what are you saying that Griffith had like bright, like they had his eyes a bit brighter? They were bright, like mm, okay. Um, I don't know, like you can tell a sense of someone's like, um psychological state sometimes and if they're really having a fucking break you mm. can see it mm. like his eyes were shifty and stuff oh, like, yeah, you know yeah. and and i don't know there was like something there mm. and i honestly i really kind of like how the animators did that yeah yeah because I, I had, like you can't do that easily yeah like if you had noticed like it's it's so funny if you watch enough anime series you can tell certain episodes that where the, you're like oh the animators got like a bit lazy here they just kind of want to like get the episode through and shit mm-hmm. but like when shit pops off oh my god the anime is way better it's like better detail it looks cool it's fast paced and everything mm-hmm. where in that scene it's like better detail because you want to get like the intensity of that scene yeah well I also kind of think too that you don't have to put as much detail into scenes where things are okay yeah 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 because you want to give the the viewer like a sense of peace and calm and like mm-hmm. everything's okay yeah like easy on the eyes and all that shit yeah okay so eve of the feast um so this episode is to me it's like it, it it's it's condensed as opposed to the manga because i i just think I remember it being like multiple chapters like this like leading up to like the eve of the feast mm-hmm. um like so much like how Guts, uh, Guts, Casca, they have Griffith and members of the Hawk and they're like getting away and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And how like they kind of barely get away. Right. Um, and then it just like jumps from there to like they're like at this encampment and shit like that. And that um, Guts, you know, Guts is like Guts and Casca are like are having a conversation. Um, no, actually, that there's that. Where, like, they've come to terms that, like, oh, Griffith will never swing a sword ever again. Like, he's, like, permanently, like, fucked up and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this really great scene where Guts and Pippin, they're, like, sitting... I think it's Pippin. Um, the dude with the, the yellow hair and the daggers and stuff like that. Yeah. They're sitting down having this, a conversation, and they're really, like... You know, like, the band hog is done. Like, I think we're just going to go and we're going to be fine. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, we're going to be a band of bandits now. Yeah. Like, no, uh, thieves, a band of thieves. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, what he wants, mm-hmm. but that's not the same thing that Casca's like, yeah, like, I'll continue with the Hawks, because Griffith needs that. Yeah, yeah, and, like, even, like... And Guts agrees to, like, stay with her, I think, and, like... Well, that's the thing, Guts, like, because Guts is gonna take off, and then, like, members of the the Hawk, they're like, hey, Guts, you're not leaving without saying bye, like, wherever you go, we're gonna go. So they essentially have, like, a new leader now in mm-hmm. Guts, mm-hmm. and... um. It's fucked up because Casca has this moment with Griffin where she's like, uh, like bandaging him up and everything like that, and like has like cleaned him up already. And she has this moment where she like, she breaks, she starts crying, and then like all the plans that her and Guts had to like live together in a way peacefully and everything Mm -hmm. gets gets thrown out because of Griffin. (laughs) What did you think of Griffith falling on top of her? Okay, so 
so you because because you saw this episode before me and I was like and I and I said like oh I think he was like trying to like violate her in some form or fashion you know um, and you're like no like you, you said that you didn't you didn't see that like that at all like a violation of maybe an emotional sense maybe but not physically because he couldn't really do anything well, but I think it was a manipulation okay so. Okay, so one, I'll agree with that. Because I, I didn't think of I didn't see that. I didn't think of that at the time. But now that you pointed that out, I totally agree with that. Two, when I heard, when I when I was telling you this and everything, I was mistakenly remembering what happened in the manga, where he was more moving around trying to, like, do something to her. Oh. And Costco was like, uh, like, like, get off me. Like, okay, no, stop. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but in the in this one, she actually embraces him. Yeah. And that is, like, his manipulation worked because uh-huh. he felt like he was losing everybody because he was hearing their conversations. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like he was like, no, don't leave me. Like... Yeah, and I think that's actually better. Like, what you, what you said of manipulation because... Um, it, it It's without having to be physically violent, but it does the... It, it does the trick anyway. It does the trick. It keeps her there and stuff like that, and it fucks up that plan. Um, and then Griffith has that vision of like one. One, it was he has two visions, but I thought it was really cool. One, he had the vision of like his like conscious of going like, "What are you doing? Like, get your shit up, get up, and get going." Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not gonna fi- like if you want that kingdom, you have to go for it, right? Mm-hmm. And he like subconsciously like pushed like he's. They don't show how he did it, but like he was able to make the wagon go forward and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lands in the water. And then when he lands in the water, he has a vision of him and Casca living together. And he's he's like healed up, but he still can't move and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how like he essentially saw two paths in front of him. He saw like the peaceful path of like of just like a regular person who like grows old um, with someone by his side. Yeah, which I think was supposed to be Casca. However, I think that, like, what he heard Griffith and Casca talking about, like, leaving together or possibly trying to... You mean to, Guts? Yeah, Guts, yeah, I'm sorry. I think he knew that wasn't possible. And he was just like, well, fuck this kind of thing. Like, he lost his chance. Not that he wanted it to begin with, but yeah, he yeah. only wanted it because he didn't want to lose what he had. Yeah, yeah. Or you like, yeah, he didn't realize what it was he had. Like, it was an obsession, like a possession thing. It wasn't a exactly. love thing. Exactly. Um, and then he finds the bailiff, which I, every time I see that bailiff, I'm just like, oh, fuck. Nothing but bad stuff is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he finds the bailiff and like, he like tries to like cut his throat and everything. And like, as he like does that, that's like when the solar eclipse comes in. That's what it looks like. The demons are starting to come in and everything. Now, rewatching it, I realized that Griffith has a moment of warning to Guts, where he's like, like he's almost like he's saying like, "Don't touch me! Like, do not come here! Like, stay away!" Because mm-hmm. I think he has a, he had a sense of like, "Holy shit! Something bad is gonna happen, and I'm not gonna be able to like control it, control it, or control myself not to get into it." Because mm-hmm. like, there's that part at the beginning of like. Um, there's that part of the episode, the beginning of episode, the infiltration, mm-hmm. where, where the 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 god hand contacts him, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, we're waiting for you, like your time is coming. Yeah. And I think that part, at the end of end of the feast, when he was in the lake, that was his moment of like, this is the last chance where, I like, like bad stuff will not happen, 
Yeah. And it, but it ended up done. It ended up done because fucking gut, because of guts is like, like Griffith, like shaking him and shit like that. Yeah. And I think that's also with Griffith's fault, because Griffith had like put this into these people's head this level of like manipulation that they're like they have to follow him. Yeah. Through, the, through literally through the ends of the earth. Yeah. And. And they do. <laughs> they do. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that ending is that feast. Of, the Eva feast is like so fucking. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think? What do you think about like that ending of that episode? Like, how does that? How does that make you feel? Like, in yeah, I get a sense of oh fuck. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen, mm-hmm. but it's not good. It is like absolutely the shit you don't want to happen Mm. like if all of a sudden earth turned into hell and you're just waiting to find out what your hell is yeah yeah and it's gonna be everything you didn't know Uh, you either knew and you didn't know you were terrified about yeah it's 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 from here on out it's just it's pure hell yeah Our geriatric cinematic is Excalibur. A wizard's ancient spell. Into the eyes of the dragon and in despair. And the lust of a lord. I must have her. One night with her. Give birth to an empire. Behold the sword of power. Excalibur. The future has taken root in the present. It is done. Orion Pictures presents John Borman's Excalibur. Knights of the Round Table, we shall always come together in a circle to hear and tell of deeds good and brave. And I will marry. Don't you know me, Merlin? Because I'm a creature like you. Their magic is Merlin. Are you just a dream? To some. A nightmare to others. Their king is Arthur. You are my husband. I must be king first. Their power is Excalibur. I swear eternal faith to our king. This film came out in 1981, and the synopsis is Merlin the Magician helps Arthur Pendragon unite the Britons around the round table of Camelot, even as dark forces conspire to tear it apart. Directed by John Borman, it is also written by him and Rospel Pallenberg, and it's based on the book by Thomas Mallory. It stars Nigel Terry, Helen Mirren, Nicholas Clay, Cherie Lungi, and Nicole Williamson. So, Excalibur. Um, <laughs> what was that? What, the Elrond joke? No, as soon as you say Excalibur, I think... Whole oh, fuck. <laughs> Why? Because that whole movie was whole oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard of Excalibur, right? And I just heard that it's like, it's like that's it. Not necessarily batshit crazy, 
but like epic, like this is a night movie and shit like that, right? <laughs> and like I've I've never I've never seen this movie, and part of the reason why I never have is because I'm not a sword and sorcery or sword and shield type fan. Like I, I don't. You don't like the the kingdom stuff. I'm not a fan of the kingdom stuff, unless it's like a really compelling story. Like, mm-hmm. like I liked Game, Game of Thrones, but that's because Game of Thrones was like different. It was like hardcore. Like there was like saying fuck and brutality, and like nobody was safe and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the show just progressively got worse over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Monty Python's The Holy Grail because it's just ridiculous comedy. Mm-hmm. It's it's different, but like. I'm not a fan of like First Night or Robin Hood and Prince of Thieves, even though I've seen it a few times. Um, or, or I'm trying to remember like. What another. about Merry Men in Tights? That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. That shit is hilarious. Um, what's that movie with Heath Ledger? It's called like. Uh, it's like a. It's a film that he did. I think. Oh, A Night's Tale. A Night's Tale. Like I like that one. That's the thing. I've heard A Night's Tale. I heard it's great and everything, but. I'm just not a fan of that stuff. Like so you I, didn't watch it? I, I've never watched I it. I honestly was trying to remember that one because I almost was like, what about this one? Mm, okay, okay. So, however, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking dramatic. They're shouting in the beginning all the time. Uh-huh. They're like shouting at each other and they don't have um, a, what's the word? A natural cadence to the way they talk. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very unnatural. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, uh, before we get before we delve into it, Kelsey, what did you think of this movie? Oh, I like this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like it for anything that would give it like merit of its own standing. It's just ridiculously stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even like some of like it's good bad. Even like some of the uh, like the fights is like clunky as shit. Yeah, and all here is, tung, yeah, tung. and like how they're like 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 the like the, uh, like the big like epic battles and stuff like that. Like the way they're they're wielding the sword, it's like they're picking up like a fucking ninety pound weight. Just <laughs> like all that kind of shit. Um, some and- of their. Um- some of the sound effects, and I think it might just because it's, be because it's old, but mm-hmm. sometimes they sounded like they were wearing a lot of plastic. Yeah, the, those. The, uh, I, I read like that armor was actually kind of made of out of aluminum, mm-hmm. so that's why it kind of sounded like this kind of funky clunkiness and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we like leave, like the epic fight part of the movie, because um, there's nothing a whole lot to say other than that it was just kind of just funny. Uh, I found out that like the initial fight scene had to be filmed three times. Mm. Um, what happened was that it was filmed at night and all of the film came out underexposed uh, the first uh, two times due to a fault in the exposure meter. The cameraman had a nervous breakdown and uh. fucking quit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like I got to like when you watch those, the, that epic, uh, it didn't say exactly, it says like the initial fight scene. So I think it's like, it obviously it's the first one. You get a sense of like, like they're just like, oh, like like let's do this, let's finish this up. Like they're just tired, they're just like worn out. They're like, we've done this like apparently we did, we've done this twice already. Yeah, and it didn't work out. Um, so what did you think? <laughs> okay, I think this is gonna be the the majority of what we're gonna talk about. What do you think of the performance? <laughs> <laughs> the performance. Yeah. Just. 
Fuck just it. let it rip. Just let it rip. Okay. What has the guy who played Merlin, Nickel Williamson, been in that he was ever good at? Um, I do not know. I do know. <laughs> I do know that Nickel, uh, which is Nicholas uh, Nickel Williamson. Nickel Williamson. I know he's played uh, a key character in the Spawn movie. <laughs> Okay. I do know that. <laughs> he played uh, Cogelistrio. That's the character's name. Oh, wow. He was in Return to Oz. Holy shit. Exorcist 3? Wow. He's actually been in some interesting stuff. Okay. Like, oh. So the reason why uh, I asked you uh, is because in the beginning, you're like, wow, Merlin's a dick. Merlin is a complete fucking asshole. Like, you don't understand what his motives are. Mm-hmm. He's just like sarcastic his voice is weird a lot of the time like you feel like he is almost like a what's the name <sighs> he's almost like you know, like a deity or something like mm-hmm. it comes to mind mm-hmm. the trickster type yeah the, the the way how the lore goes is that supposedly merlin the, the merlin character is actually like part human part demon so that's like the whole lore of, of merlin yeah, but anytime you see him, though, he's mm. trying to be good. Yeah. Like, he's using his magic for good, and mm. he knows things he shouldn't know. Mm. He's not a trickster. No. And, like, it, it just brings me to the part that cracked me the fuck up. Which part when, was that? When Merlin was going to leave Arthur, and Arthur goes, My old friend, will I ever see you again? <laughs> And Merlin goes, no. <laughs> and that's it. He's just like, no. He didn't even just say no. He goes, no. No. Like that. <laughs> I personally like that, that that bit of dialogue he, that Merlin, uh, that uh, Nicole Williamson had said. He was like, to some, I'm a dream. To others, I'm a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was too wild for that role. I don't, like, the whole film was wild. He's not, like, out of... He's, he's, he's not out of the realm of the movie. He's yeah. just out of the realm of what you think that character should be. Uh, but he's not doing it wrong based off of what he was probably told to do. Yeah, it's funny because like his his portrayal, his portray, the actor's portrayal of Merlin during like the the Arthur years, kind of reminds me of the Merlin in uh, Disney's The Sword and the Stone, where he was just like silly, like oh all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But here he just more like almost like. Ditsy, but like when shit goes down, like with between him and Morgana, oh shit goes fucking down. He's like, you can it's tell. It's so weird. <laughs> that whole part of the story was weird. So check this out. So Helen Mirren, who played Morgana, and Nicole Williamson w- were initially reluctant to work with each other. They did a, a disastrous production of Macbeth and were not on speaking terms. Writing producer director John Berman cast them because their natural animosity would be perfect. According to Marin, she and Wilmson wound up becoming very good friends during the film. Okay. So I feel like that animosity like translated pretty well um, within, within this movie. Yeah, like when they first meet and she's like, yeah, remember me? Yeah, <laughs> you turned that dude to look like my dad and he raped my mom. Like, yeah. whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's so totally weird because, like, he has the hots for her for a while, and then all of a sudden she's, like, 
fucking her brother and then they have a kid yeah and that, that's actually part of the lore apparently apparently it's part of the lore where like uh morgana becomes merlin's student and then becomes his lover but he knows that like he can't he's not he's he it's like destined for like disaster mm-hmm. but he can't shy away from it he can't get away from it maybe because the poem was too good you know maybe maybe he just like i can't get away from this ass <laughs> i'm gonna tell him Marin, yeah <laughs> Well, you don't find her attractive? No, I do. Just the word poon. Oh, poon? Or as as Steven Seagal said in, in the his... The punani? The punani. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. So I did listen... First of all, really quickly, I did listen to that episode about the book that he wrote. And they uh. spend like five to ten minutes all taking turns saying the word punani and shuddering. <laughs> it's like that scene in The Lion King when the three hyenas are going... Mufasa, and they go, Ooh, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> um, okay, so, wh- okay, so this is the first. This is the theatrical debut of Gabriel Bryan, mm-hmm. uh, Liam Neeson, uh, Shireen Hines, and Sherry uh, Lungi, who played Guinevere. Um, it. It's it's funny because like I see Liam Neeson in this movie like oh he's like a little baby face like I know he, he looks so young yeah but he's like six foot three he's like he's still a baby he's a big baby and all that kind of stuff <laughs> he's a big baby yeah um, I feel that like I don't know it, it with with Liam Neeson who's 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 known who's an Irish actor. He couldn't get rid of that Irish accent. I still heard that accent during this movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's definitely not like Chris, Christopher Eccleston. How he? Oh, how he's able to cover it up? Or it's funny because I still hear it, but not in the ways of like mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like his accent's coming. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like he talks weird, American. Yeah. yeah, like a weird kind of American, like how he did in the Leftovers. You're like, oh, it's American. Yeah, that's, that's like a weird saying. American yeah. accent he's doing. Like I don't know where that's from, but it definitely sounds some kind of American. <laughs> yeah. Um, so of course we gotta we gotta talk about Nigel Terry. Okay. As King Arthur. I, I look. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I loved hearing that dude talk because this is the way how he talks. He's a, his fucking afflictions were just like. We come a light to well, blah, 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 blah. Like, this is the way how he but was But there was talking. no talk. There was, all, like, almost no spacing mm-hmm. in how he talked. Or, like, no volume change. Or, like, or very slowly, slightly when he would talk to Guinevere. Yeah, he'd be like, Merlin the Magician helps Arthur Pendragon unite the Britons. And that's how he would talk. And he'd be shouting the whole time. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And he looked half retarded. <laughs> I know, like... And, you know, like, in uh, his squire years, when you first meet him, he yeah. has a very, like, dumbstruck look on his face the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it seems like he only kind of breaks away from that ever so slightly as he gets older and older in his journey. By the time he's really old, I mm-hmm. feel like... He calms down enough, and he mm. actually sounds like he's acting. Like, he yeah. sounds better, and yeah. he's, like, calmer. And he even doesn't look as stupid. Like, uh, he looks pretty normal, just a little, like, disheveled, maybe. Yeah, except for all, like, that flower they threw at him. I know. <laughs> to make him look that at his age. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I, I have to agree with you completely. Like, it's not until, like, Ar- Arthur is, like, actually really old that you're like, oh, okay, this dude can actually, like, legit act. Because it seems like, it seems like when Arthur's... Arthur, sorry, Arthur, I keep saying his name. Arthur is, like, a, a young squire to, like, a young... A young adult it seems like he's like turning that performance to like constantly to like an 11 there's like no like 
cutting down with it. And it's not until And it's also like he definitely doesn't own any situation he's in. Oh yeah, like he's kind of just bumbling and fumbling all over the place. Yeah. So uh back to uh Nickel Women Nickel Williamson. Uh United Artists who produced the movie said they told jo- John Bur- Berman, you can cast anyone as Merlin, just not that guy. Why? It doesn't say why, but it just no. <laughs> they didn't want him. <laughs> um so back to the King Arthur Arthur character, uh was played by uh Nigel Terry. Fucking apparently Sean Connor was briefly attached to play that character. Um I don't know how I feel about that. Because Mm-hmm. The he also talks very strangely. Yeah, with his Irish accent. Yeah, and he doesn't sound Irish. He sounds American with like a Scottish. lisp. I think he's actually Scottish. My mistake. Anyway, go on. He sounds like he has a lisp when he tries to be American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I feel like, whereas the Arthur we got kind of mm-hmm. got over his bad dialogue habits. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'd ever get away from it with Sean Connery. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, and he'd be too serious. Like, I've seen a number of like of uh, Sean Connery films, other than like his James Bond movies, um, and he does like a British, you know, in his James Bond films, or even like his films where he's like a, he plays a British character. You can hear the British accent, but still the Irish accent kind of like bleeding in there. Mm-hmm. I can't, re- I can't think of a movie where he like played an American or he had an American accent. Mm. Maybe because I'm. I don't know. Maybe I just maybe if he did, and I saw it, maybe I just heard Irish accent instead. I always hear American, but I hear weird, not like I don't know. It's just not. I never knew he was anything other than. Been Scottish. I thought he was American for a long. Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. That dude has the thickest Scottish accent. But I didn't. I don't know if I was just too young to recognize him or uh, something. Okay, but yeah, like, yeah. I don't hear Scottish. I just hear. Weird American. Like if he had a stroke as a kid or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, like I it just you, never, <laughs> like I'm like, oh, he, there's something wrong with him. I get you. I get you. <laughs> um, so uh, with, a, with a bit of casting, uh, uh, possible casting. Uh, so Sean Connery, yeah, he was briefly attached to play King Arthur. Um, other actors that were mentioned to play the part of Merlin was Max von Sydow, uh, who died, I think, maybe like. I think he died maybe like a, this year or last year. He's a well-known actor. Um, uh, they did consider Sean Connery um, for Merlin, uh, Lee Marvin. Um, but John Berman wanted Donald Sutherland <laughs> to play Merlin. I think that would have been a well different performance if, if Donald Sutherland does. I honestly that. don't think anyone other than who got the part could play that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so bad, you don't want anyone else to do it, because, like, you enjoy how bad it is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, one, one, thing I wanted, one thing I wanted to mention in terms of, like, the direction, because the it, it does this weird thing where it, like, it, like, jumps a lot. Like, it seems like it kind of, like, just brushes over, like, certain uh, pinnacle moments in, like, King Arthur's life. Mm-hmm. It seems it's, like, fast-paced, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Um and then like, they wanted to focus a lot on like Lancelot and Guinevere. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like the movie almost seems kind of chaotic. 
until they focus on Lancelot and Guinevere. It makes it seems a bit more refined mm-hmm. by the time we get to that point, which is interesting because like this movie was intentionally was originally intentionally to be like more of like of a Merlin story. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we get like a little bit of that Merlin story in the first act, then we get King Arthur, and then we get a lot of like Lancelot and Guinevere. Um for like a, a good duration of the movie. Mm-hmm. Then it jumps to like Morgana and stuff like that. But like but like I said, when it jumps to like all this event, it seems like just kinda of like fast paced it. Yeah. You know, in this movie that it's like two hours and some change and originally like the movie was gonna be three hours long. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this King Arthur story or any King Arthur story, like well deserves more than like a two hour movie. I think it like a King Arthur King Arthur story should at least be like a series. Which I know they have done. Yeah. Um, also, I'm tired of King Arthur shit. Like, they did a whole thing of King Arthur stuff in the 90s, and mm-hmm. you just kind of were like... Oh, you're just done with that? You're just out. Like, I didn't really watch a lot of it, but it was mm-hmm. like, even in school, they wanted to talk about it, like, mm, a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, no, the only weird story I remember that I actually enjoyed was Beowulf. I remember that. That was actually a dope story. Yeah. Um, so, I found an answer that you and I kept question we get we had a question for this particular thing how like the movie had like this weird green light to oh it. yeah and we're like what's up with that green light like why does it keep yeah coming? because the fucking sword wasn't anywhere nearby for some of it yeah so like uh so apparently so most of the four scenes and excalibur the sword were backlit by green lights to give it a magical quality mm. and Unfortunately, to me, it was just kind of distracting. Like, yeah. why are we doing the green light? Why? I don't understand it. Why? Yeah. Um, it cheapened it, too, because, like, not just was it distracting, but, like, mm-hmm. it really showed you how bad the effects were of that time. Yeah. So, this movie, um, originally, like, Berman had planned to do a fil- film adaptation of, like, of The Legend of Merlin um, in, like, 1969, right? So, he, like, turned in a three-hour script. Um written by uh Rospel Pallenberg to United Artists, but they rejected it because they said it was too costly. So they said, hey, why don't you go do Lord of the Rings instead? <laughs> um, but he they couldn't acquire the rights, so he was like, Alright, I'll I'll come back. <laughs> I'll come back and do this King Arthur story, right? And he would and I got a sense of a type of Lord of the Rings feel to mm-hmm. it. Like especially during like the battle scenes and shit like that. Yeah. Um Borman has said during an interview that uh, he says, I'm trying to suggest a kind of Middle Earth. It's a contagious world. Oh, it's a... I think it's a contagious world. Conscientious world? I can't see where you're reading. Under original plans. Oh. Oh, uh, contiguous. Contiguous, thank you. A contiguous world, it's like ours, but different. Which is Which essentially is Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. It's just like... From my under- from what I remember with Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, it like doesn't tell you if it takes place in the past, in the present, or the future. It just kind of gives you an idea like this is Earth, like this is just Earth. Yeah. Um. So, <sighs> this movie obviously inspi- has a lot of influence um, on Holly. It had a lot of influence in Hollywood. Uh, Brian Singer has spent years to like essentially like remake this movie mm-hmm. that never came to fruition. Good. Um, Zack Snyder has said that this film <laughs> so stupid Zack Snyder named this movie as a big influence on his Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice movie to the point of making the movie uh, making it the movie Bruce Wayne saw in his parents with his parents on the night of their death um, 
Which it does make sense to some extent because Siren Hens? Hines. Hines, thank you. He played the main villain, Steppenwolf, like the, the mocap and all that kind of stuff. That's him. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, George Lucas has said that uh, The Legend of King Arthur is one of the influences of Star Wars. He didn't say if it's specifically that movie, but I would imagine that, King Ar- that he saw that King Arthur movie. He was like, I think I can do that. In space. In space. <laughs> um, one thing I have to give up this give this movie its its cred is the soundtrack. Mm. They that soundtrack makes everything sound so fucking epic. <laughs> like, <laughs> but but like it makes everything sound epic without actually being epic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like a like sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get, I get that sense. Like, there's there's this one part where, like, King Arthur is, like, is with his knights, and they're riding through the forest and everything, and it's like, dun, 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 dun. and they're, 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 like, riding in, like, a white white uh, lotus type of, of forest and shit mm-hmm. like that. Oh, yeah, and, I, and then I made the comment, too. I'm like, those trees are probably dead <laughs> yeah. because there's so much stuff falling out of them, like... Yeah, I thought that shot was fucking <laughs> awesome. Like, with the music, I was like, holy shit, I want to go in the back. I thought that was awesome. I thought it was cheesy. <laughs> I thought it was very awesome. I, I, I was ready to, to take up swords and, and swing it foolishly around my head and be like, <laughs> <laughs> and turn yourself into the Green Knight. Yeah. How, if you were the Green Knight and you accidentally chopped off your head because you were playing around with a fucking sword. Mm hmm. How would the challenge work? I I would have to I'd have to wait a whole year, and then return the favor. <laughs> <laughs> so chop off your head again. <laughs> yeah, like all right, no, no, no. Actually, no. I take that back. I would have to wait for a year and hope that my journey to chop my own head off would I would learn a valuable <laughs> lesson. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, oh. Oh, you know what? One person I actually did like for his performance. I mean, other than like like Nigel Terry, he his, I enjoyed his performance, but like on a kind of funny level. Um, homeboy who played Lance a lot, mm. uh, Nicholas Clay. Mm-hmm. I actually liked his performance. I thought his shit, his shit he was, was like, like legit. the one that made the most sense out of everybody. Yeah, I didn't always enjoy how he looked because he was very douchey. Mm-hmm. I think it was just how he was written. Mm, yeah, but he made the most sense out of everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like... And he was a fuckboy. Like, he looked oh, yeah, like so, a fucking fuckboy. Oh, boy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even, like, that part where he's, like, writing with Guinevere, and he pretty much is, like, borderline telling her, like, I love you and I want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. But of course, he's like, oh... And that's her. even before... It was, like, right before her and Arthur get married. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, damn, dude, you fucking trying to spit that game already and shit, laying what, out the seeds. What I think is hilarious is mm-hmm. that... Like, you don't get a lot of Lancelot at the round table. It's like, Arthur's like, I'm going to have a round table and we'll all sit at it as equals. I know. And I, then Lancelot's I, like, yeah, I'm going to just hang out in the forest yeah. forever. <laughs> and fight and like swing my sword around and shit. Yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah. I'm gone. Like, never here. Yeah. And everyone's like, where is he? He's never here. And then like you see Lancelot in the fucking forest pining away after Guinevere. And you're like, what the fuck I is know. this? And then Guinevere's <laughs> like, oh, you're in the forest. Get me get that forest D. <laughs> yeah, like that's a good spot because you know people don't just go into the forest just for the fuck of it. Mm-hmm. No, they go. Yeah, except they go. when Arthur did. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> yeah, they're like one in the forest. He's like, oh, so that's where they fucking. All right. 
<laughs> Let me just put my sword here. I know, right? To let him know it's here. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie is great. This movie is fucking phenomenal. Like, I, I as early as um, not as early, but even like earlier today, I was like, I kind of want to watch that movie again, <laughs> just yeah. to like, let it play in the background to see how this ridiculous it is. Um, I will admit that, like, even like that final shot where um, I forgot the dude's name, but he, the, one of the knights throws a sword back into the lake, and mm-hmm. how the, the uh, Lady in the Lake catches it, mm-hmm. or the, I think it's like I, I keep thinking Lady in the Lake. I think it's like Woman in the Lake or something. When no, she it's ca- Lady in the Lake. When she caught it, I was like, "Oh, that was kind of cool." And the sword goes back into the water. Like that's mm-hmm. it. That's well, I the thought end it was of the weird journey. because it was like the sword was attached to a pole, and the pole was like going down into the water. Like oh, it wasn't yeah. like she grabbed it; it was just like descended into the water, straight yeah. like right angle. Uh, yeah, it it did. Like w- like when she caught it, I thought it looked cool. But yeah, when it when it was going down, it yeah. did look pretty funny. Um. Who was the character that I was laughing at? Because I was like, it sounds like one of those like um, people who's like a detective from old timey days. And then he was like, oh. it's, it's fucking King Arthur. Really? That was him. That, ah. uh, yeah, because I was like, he sounds like he's going to go. Rah. See? <laughs> yeah. That and then. Um, oh, um, Morgana's son. Mordred or whatever. Oh my god, that when dude. we first meet him and he's wearing like that gold like he almost looks like um It's almost like the kinda... illegitimate child of the Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> the the Burger yeah, the Burger King King. Um, um it's funny because you meet him and you go, ha, 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 and that's all you hear for and they just yeah. do it over and over again and I started cracking up every time. I wish they never took that dude's helmet off. Yeah, because he looked weird. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and like I thought, whole, it was a woman. Honestly. Yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, and that whole gear is that gear kind of reminds me of like uh like Roman armor and shit like that. It kind of reminds me of that yeah. kind of style. Um. Uh. That that's I I did think that scene was pretty cool when him where Arthur and what's his name more, uh, Mordred. Mordred. Uh, when Mordred was like, "Come, father, let's." Like let's fight or let this be our last fight or some shit like that mm-hmm. and how he like stabs him and Arthur's like Hurr! and then like stabs him in the neck like yeah and, <laughs> and like that was like a badass shot because you see all these bodies and shit like that and you see like the moon in the background and it's mm-hmm. like blood red yeah and I thought that that, that looks like that be on the cover of like a, of a fucking death metal album you thought or some that shit. was the moon I didn't see that as the moon I saw that as like oh the sun maybe. Yeah, you know how it's like oh, bright yeah, red yeah, like that yeah, when yeah. it's gonna be hot the next day. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, because it was still it was sunset was coming. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Um, but yeah, I still I saw I thought that shot was like fuck fucking dope. Like there are like a number of shots that that are actually kind of dope in this movie. Um, but one of them is not Merlin in the ice. That shit looks so ridiculous. <laughs> That shit looks so ridiculous. But I remember there was like a shot of a close-up of Arthur that you saw that you thought was pretty cool because it had like clouds in the background. It was like this weird kind of like blue, yellow kind of background uh, color scheme. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I don't mm. remember what I liked about it, though. Because the movie's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... Well, I think the, the Merlin thing was funny, though, because he got trapped in ice. Uh-huh. And then somehow he like freed himself enough to like do use magic or something or that, astral project yeah i think that he was astral pro- astral projecting himself, or that was his like spec 
Spectra or Spectre or whatever. I know, it's but if you have enough magic to do something like that, you can <laughs> yeah. tell people where you are. I know. You could get yourself out. He's like, nah, I'm gonna go back in this ice now. Yeah. Bye. He's like, hey Arthur, can you like dig me out, please? Um, the way how the myth goes is that is that um, that 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 the setting of where uh, what's his name Merlin is at, like the forest. The, the way how the myth goes is that Merlin is still there, like buried in that ice cube or whatever the fuck it is well, probably not with you know climate change <laughs> right <laughs> like, the, the companies just bulldoze and build a bunch of apartments on top of it and shit. <laughs> Merlin's like get me out <laughs> <laughs> no now he like the ice melted i'm saying but he probably got encased in concrete if they built oh, on top of him so he, <laughs> he, he got stuck in the septic tank or some shit <laughs> They built Trump Tower on top of them. Poor Merlin. (laughs) Um, Okay, so all in all, do you think this movie still holds up? No, but Uh, it's one of those movies that doesn't hold up that you want to show everybody because it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, so I agree with you 100%. It does not hold hold up. However, it is something that should be watched because it's just like, let's just watch this ridiculous ass Let's just have some fucking fun. Yeah, let's... (laughs) Let's take a drink where let's take a drink whenever um, someone goes Meh! or someone like lazily like swings a sword around. <laughs> um, yeah. So is there anything else? Is that it? No. No. Okay. That's it. That's it. Okay. No. Now that's it. No, he said. <laughs> is there anything else? Is that it? Yeah. And I was answering your. Is there anything else? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously you answered the last question first. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, Stop confusing me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's that's going to be it for our show for this week. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us on this very special Arturian-type episode, I guess. You know, the Green Knight and Arthur and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, we especially would like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner. Uh, they are very so kindly to host this podcast on this website on their website uh you can find all your film and tv news and reviews at your entertainment corner.com um that's also a spot where our lovely uh, co-host kelsey loisel uh reviews for have you did you hit up judy not yet yeah, the girl i meant get, get another Look, review out i've been having issues Oh, with like work and stuff. Yeah, because you, you with have been, work, and then I'll feel okay, and then I'll feel yeah. depressed for like five days in a row. Mm. Like I just gotta chill. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you can find this episode on all podcast catchers. Obviously, you're listening to it through some some former podcast. So, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, we love you. We love you. And telepathically to the people who aren't listening. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, you're gonna want to join us for next week's episode. Uh, our recent review will be the Suicide Squad, uh, James Gunn's attempt to make to correct the wrongs of WB to write the ship. Yeah, to write the ship. Um, that is uh, that will be in theaters uh, and on HBO Max August sixth. Um, so they're going to do the simultaneous release thing too. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know. So we'll we'll see how that turns out. I know out. that we talked about this already. We talked about it like two or three separate times and mm-hmm. we did news on it. Yeah. When they were talking about doing it. And HBO I think was the first one to do it. Yeah. It's still stupid. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean And I mean, hopefully they start learning why it's bad. 
Because even if yeah. you get a lot of people watching and a lot of viewership, mm-hmm. you're fucking everybody else over. Well, well Paramount's, Paramount Plus is doing this. Well, I think it's a smart thing where they'll release something and then after it's done in theaters, uh, it's like I think it's like 45 days after release or something like that. Then it's on their streaming well, service. Well, that's fine, but it, you said it's both available yeah, yeah, August 6th. With this, is it's both on the same day. Uh, so we'll have. So it's day of release. Yeah, so we'll have to say we'll have to see what how, what the box office say um, in terms of like if it's a, if it's success or not. Um, I've already seen the movie. I was able to get, check out a screener for it. Um, I have a lot to say about this movie. Mm. Um, you can actually check out my review of the Suicide Squad. It should be on ScreenGeek.net. Maybe by the time ScreenGeek.screenGeek.what? Dot, screen ScreenGeek.net. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that will probably be it by the time this episode uh, that we're currently on right now it will be released. Uh, but you still want to join us because, like I said, we have a lot to say about that. But more importantly, we're going to have a lot to say about our geriatric cinematic, which is Troma Films' Tromeo and Juliet, which I believe came out in 1991. Damn, it was off. Oh, 96. All right. Yeah, but that's why I was like, that definitely feels like a 90s film because <laughs> yeah. of the fucking hair. Yes. Uh, and the girls, the way I, they were dressed. I really can't wait to, to show Kelsey this movie. I love this fucking... I grew up watching this movie. It's. I finally get to introduce Kelsey to the Just world of trauma. Just let that sink in. Mm. You grew up watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Are you yeah. okay? Did you make it? <laughs> I, I think I, I think I'm okay. Um, so, Tromeo and Juliet will be available to rent on Apple TV. Is, sorry, it's available to rent on Apple TV, Prime Video, YouTube TV, and other VOD services. Uh, the topic for that week is, um, or will be, uh, one person's trash is another man is another one's treasure. It's gonna be so glorious. Glorious purpose. Glorious purpose. Uh, so once again, I want to say thanks, thanks to everybody who joined us. I bid you guys adieu. Um, you know, take the fucking shot, uh, the COVID shot. That'd be great, fucking great if y'all just did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we leave, I'm gonna leave you guys off with a nice little story. Um, if you folks have been listening to the show long enough, you know that I have a cat that currently is at Kelsey's, or it's more of our cat. We share custody. I said, like, we're the parents. We're co-parenting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But before that, uh, my cat Pocky used to live with me, and um, and my daughter loves that cat. She loves playing with the cat. And there was one day that the cat. She was. She was like, Daddy, like, look at the cat. Look at the cat's eyes. This is amazing. Like, look at it. And I it just brushed it off like whatever. I don't care. You know. Yeah, it looks nice, sweet. Whatever. And just back went back to doing my thing. So then um, one morning I woke up and my daughter had pocket like right in front of me, the face right in front of me and was like, daddy, look at the cat. And I don't know how she must have watched Excalibur (laughs) because the next thing she says is look into the eyes of the dragon and despair. 